Now let's get into our teaching tonight before all my time runs out because I don't want to just teach. We're going to pray in a few moments. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 11. Now I'm going to give a, a what, what do you call it, a, whatever. This isn't all my material, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that smart. Uh, but I'm going to use some material that I've reached from some other guys. Rick Clinton and used to tell me, uh, tell the guys that were with him, he said one of the greatest honors that you can give us as leaders is that you take our material and you preach it over and you keep preaching it. And uh, so I'm taking some from different resources and, and, and I'm going to put it together. Uh, and I really believe that prayer is, is a key. And we're going to talk about praying like Jesus. Now, everybody knows prayer is probably among Christian community one of the most number one top talk topics of teaching, but practice the very least. And I believe, if anything, God is probably speaking to me. I, I always take everything very personal first before I release it that he's speaking to me. We all know that when we pray, powerful things can happen. Not only can happen, they do happen when people pray. I remember a few years ago, I come across a prayer. It was called the Tabernacle Prayer by Pastor Young E. Cho. And from Korea, I think he's going to be with the Lord now. And he was a man that prayed seven and eight and nine hours a day. He was on his knees. He was before the Lord. Uh, their church had a, there in Korea has a mountain they call Prayer Mountain. And every day thousands of people are on that mountain seeking the face of God. So as he's prefacing his uh, message on tabernacle prayer, he says it like this. I'm not praying to get, God, uh, to get God's attention. If I can say it right, he said, I'm praying because of the assignment that God has given me to do. And he started laying out everything in vision that God had given him to do. And he said, I cannot do this without the Lord. And so he prayed. And when you think about that, they're taking seniors in that place, in that country at that time. Seniors that uh, got ill, had to be cared for, you know, that would be in our nursing homes. Families would just put them on the street. So God said to them, he said, I want you to build a place for them. I want you to go get them. I want you to take care of them. I want you to feed them, clothe them. You take care of them for the rest of their life. That's a lot of people. And not only that, to take even homeless, to take teenagers that had no place to go. Fix a place for them. Bring them in. Take care of them. Give them an education. Help them get a college degree. Help get them into the workforce. He said, you help them and you take care of them. Man, you talk about a vision and it would literally take tens of millions of dollars every week to get done. Not only that, he said, I've got, I, I think he said like some maybe 4,000 churches that looked to him and every one of them was coming to him 
with their hands out. Pastor, we need a new facility. We need this. Can you do that? All of these responsibilities were laying upon him. But that has become or was and probably still is the largest church in the whole world by the power of God. Powerful things can happen when people pray. Listen, when you and I pray, we receive from God. When you and I pray, we receive from the Lord. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this, or James said it in his writings, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we think God is. He can read our minds. I believe that. I believe he knows my thoughts are far off, as the psalmist said. But the reality is he still expects us to ask of him what we desire from his hands. Now, I don't understand that. If he knows everything, if he's that great, and he is, and he's omnipotent, he's all-knowing, he's everything else, if he can do that, why he requires that of us? But he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. So let's look at Luke chapter 11. He said, now it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive Uh, uh, forgive us of our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So here's the first point I want to bring to you tonight. Powerful prayer is the source of a powerful life. Powerful prayer is a source of a powerful life. Now notice something in this passage of Scripture. Of everything that the disciples could have asked for, because they've been with Jesus for a while now. They've watched him heal the sick. They've watched him cast out demons. No doubt they've watched him turn water into wine. They have no doubt seen him feed multitudes. There's been a number of things that has transpired uh, from Luke's uh, picture of Jesus with these disciples. So when the disciple came to ask Jesus a question, he said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I don't know if I would have asked that. I would have probably asked this, Lord, how did you cast that demon out? Lord, how did you open those blind eyes? God, how did you command that fever to go? Jesus, what did you do to draw that crowd like that? What did you do to turn that, turn that water to wine? More than likely, many of us would have asked that question. But remember, this is a disciple. A disciple is a follower, but not only are they a follower, they are a learner. And a good learner is asking questions, but a good learner is watching behaviors. They're looking for patterns. They're watching. Tom's a good fisherman. I give him a rough time, but he's really a good fisherman. And if I go fishing with Tom and he's catching fish, I'm not, I may ask him a question. Tom, what lure are you using? What's your bait? That'd probably be one of my first ones. 
But if I put that on, I'm still not catching fish. I still got a problem. I'm going to be looking. Okay, what is he doing that I'm not doing? Is he reeling fast? Is he reeling slow? Is he casting way out there or is he casting real close? See, I'm going to begin to watch behaviors. And at the same time as I watch that behavior, what will I begin to do? I will begin to mimic the behavior of what I think is happening. So a good learner isn't just asking or or looking, well, how did you? They're watching behavior. So evidently, these disciples have watched Jesus and noticed that a common thread about his life was a powerful time of prayer. That Jesus prayed. Matter of fact, we could go and look at a number of places through the book of Luke in the book of Luke chapter 3. I want you to see what what happens when Jesus at his baptism, when all the people were baptized. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Now listen to what Luke said. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. While he prayed, the heaven was opened. Well, I feel like nothing is happening over my life. The question are, are you praying? And I believe I'm going to preface something here that the heaven is always open. I think religion has told us it's closed, but at Pentecost, the heaven opened, Holy Spirit descended. He's never, he never went back. He's still among us. That lets me know their portal, that heaven is open. I think this is what prayer does for us. It will keep us mindful that there is a portal open, that the heaven is open over us, and angels are ascending and descending for us. Listen to what's being taught over the last year. How many of these guys, I know Tim Sheets is probably one of the number one uh, prophets that have been prophesying uh, about the angels now for several years, that the angels are among us. They're They're coming and going among us. So that tells me the heavens are open. Listen, church, we got to pay a different attention instead of just, boy, that was a good message. What is God speaking to his people? So I believe as we pray, it keeps us mindful. I'm not just talking about a prayer on Sunday morning and then I show up on Wednesday night and I pray for another two minutes and then I go home. I'm talking about that we began to develop a prayer life that is passionate towards God. If we're going to see, we see this through the life of Jesus. Remember, this is what Jesus, Master Teach us how to pray because we see evidence that you're operating in power and you're spending a lot of time in prayer. Here's another thing that Jesus did in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Before he made great decisions, Jesus prayed. The Bible said, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night to prayer in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to him and from them he chose 12. You have to understand there were multitudes of people following Jesus at this time. 
There was a lot of people that were saying that they were followers of Jesus. But from from Luke's gospel, Jesus prayed, and out of that, he chose 12. Church, I want to tell you, we make a lot of decisions without ever taking them before the Lord and really praying it through. I don't mean just a quick prayer. I'm talking about making that a matter of prayer. We've been strategizing around here and planning some things for the fall coming and even through the summer and through the fall. And we've got it up on whiteboards and we're writing things. And I told Pastor Chad the other day, I said, Chad, I don't care how great uh, the plan is. I don't care how many people agree with it. We have got to pray this thing through and make sure that what we're doing is of the Lord. Because it's too easy for us to run in our own intellect. It's too easy for us to run on our talents and ability. It's too easy. You Listen, I've done this long enough. I've done this long enough. You give me an opportunity, I can preach in a moment. And some people won't know the difference if it's anointed or not anointed. And sometimes I'm even thinking me, I'm not anointed. I've done it enough. I know. I know the scripture. And it bothers me when I go service after service, no matter how much I feel like I've heard from God, how hard I preached or whatever, and I don't feel like I see it touch the hearts and the lives of people, then then listen, I don't think it's a God problem. I think it's a Zach problem, and maybe Zach has neglected his time before the Lord. I'm willing to admit that. Come on, because it's too easy to get busy, and this is something the Lord is addressing my life. It's to, to cut a few things out here and there so that I can spend, the, I believe, that quality time before him. Church, we need to pray about every decision that we make, especially major ones, especially in this hour when it deals with our family, when it deals with our children, when it deals with our finances. We need to carry this before the Lord. Here's another thing uh, did. I'll go back to chapter, chapter 5 and verse 16. As the ministry got bigger and the crowds got bigger is what really began to take place. However, verse 15 of chapter 5 says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear him, and he healed by and, and to be healed by him of their infirmity. So look at verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. I got alone from everybody, and I began to pray. I want to say something to my altar workers. Don't come in here just with an idea, I'm an altar worker and stand up here. You need to be praying that God's going to work through you on Sunday morning, that God's going to do something powerful through your life. Just because we bring you up doesn't mean anything. You, you and I both, worship team, whatever you're doing, ushers, greeters, if you think that is a light job, what you're doing, you're mistaken. Church members that just show up, you need to be praying with us. I don't mean once in a while. I mean really praying about what God is doing. Are you okay? Hello, here we go to another one. Listen, if you want people, you and I want people to see Jesus. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter chapter 9. And I believe it's the 18th verse. Got to find chapter 9. He's in here. There he is. The 18th verse. And it happened that as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. 
And he asked him, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? Listen, I believe if we're, we're not seeing people saved and we're not seeing people have a passion and heart from him, it might not be for any other reason is that we're not praying and allowing the Spirit of the Lord to go to work in their life. Now, let me, let me stop here before I go any further. I want, I want to make a point about something. I'm in a very intelligent group of people. I know I am. And I'm among a group of people that are very skilled and very knowledgeable and very, I think, very learned of the Word. But sometimes, because we are, doesn't mean we know everything. Okay? And you might see something from another angle. Why do we have four Gospels? Luke talks different than Matthew does. And Mark talked different than John. And John saw another picture. It's kind of like an illustration that John Kilpatrick gave one year. Never will forget it, and I've used it over and over and over with other leaders. If we had a bunch of pear trees in this room right now, if there was a great big fruit tree, let's just say a big apple tree sitting in this room, depending on what side you come up on that tree will determine how you see that tree. If you come up on the side that was just picked, before you arrived, you'll say, there's no fruit on that tree. But you got somebody on the other side of the tree, on the side that wasn't picked, and they'll say, that is the most fruitful tree I've ever seen. It just depends on what side of the tree you're looking on. And sometimes it looks even through how you've been taught or who you've been following, how you see things. All of these things really have an impact upon our life. And it could be that none of us are wrong. And we're all right. It's just how we're looking and viewing and the view of what I'm looking through. I wear these crazy glasses and I realize every once in a while I need to clean them. Even though they're glass, they look clean to me. I, I remember one day, it's been a long time ago, I was mowing grass or something. I remember Chris come over and I, I didn't pay attention. I'd been weeding, mowing, and I, I, you know, I didn't realize my glasses were messed up. I had grass on them. I'm sitting there talking with him. He finally said, Won't you clean those glasses? But see, I was seeing through it. But I'm looking through grass, I'm looking through dust, I'm looking through a lot of things trying to find the reality and the truth of where I'm at. I don't know why I felt I needed to say that, but I want you to understand that that's where we are. And Jesus was in this place that while he was praying. Now see, Matthew's gospel says this, that Jesus and the disciples came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Never mentioned about Jesus praying. He just said, who do men say that I am? But Luke really pointed that out. And as Jesus was praying, he asked this question, who do men say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ. I believe if we want men to see the reality of Christ, to see a world, church, we need to be praying for them and praying that he will be revealed through our lives. Here's, the, here's another thing you need to see. Chapter 9, verse 27. He said, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. And it came to pass 
about eight days. No, yeah, there it is. Came to pass about eight days after these things that he took Peter, James, and John, and he went up the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and the and his robe became white and glistening. And two men, and I'll stop right there. Uh, Moses and I think it was Elijah appears to him. Here's the deal. When you pray, the glory that is on the inside of you is going to begin to be revealed on the outside of you. When we pray. I'm not talking about religious duty. I'm talking about a lifestyle of living in the presence of God and praying to wherever we go. When Peter saw that happen, he said, is it good that we be here? Is it good that we be here or do we need to build some tents for those guys? Because it reveals the glory of the Lord as you and I began to pray. So powerful, so powerful prayer is the source of a power-filled life. I don't think we can get around it. I'm talking about Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled people. Even they prayed. With Holy Ghost. They saw, and these continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayer. And great signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles. Here's the second point I want to get to you. We pray now out of relationship, not out of duty. We pray out of relationship. Notice what Jesus said. So he said in chapter 11, verse 2, so he said to them, when you pray, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. He's changed the dynamics. He said, now you don't pray. We're not bringing sacrifices. We're not bringing it to the priest. We're coming in in a whole different light. What has been... Over the last, I bet, five years, one of the number one messages preached and declared to the body of Christ. We are sons and daughters. So he said, when you pray, pray, our Father. I know Pastor Val a few years ago taught us a great series on the Lord's Prayer. He walked through that thing so systematic and so deeply powerful, powerful word. But I believe God is speaking to us in this hour. Church, we got to be remember that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And now we approach Him as a Father. Our Heavenly Father, His ability is far greater than our ability. Look with me in the book of John, chapter 16. I think they'll put it up on the screen. John 16, Jesus is getting ready to go. He's leaving them. He said, the Holy Ghost is coming. He said, my spirit's going to be poured out. I'm paraphrasing. It's expedient for you that I go away. But look at verse 23 and 24. You need to mark these things in your Bible. All right, let's look at verse 22, and then we'll hit 23. He said, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, listen to what he said, in that day, you're not going to ask me anything. Wait a minute, he's had these disciples with him. If they need anything, hey, Jesus, take care of this problem. 
Hey, Jesus, come do. You, you gave us authority. You gave us power to go do. But there were a few moments of time. Y'all know that through Scripture. They failed at it, and Jesus came along. But now Jesus said, in that day, when he talks about when I leave and my spirit is poured out, he said, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He said, now you're going to approach the Father just like I do. Father, I've got a need. Father, I need you to help with this. Father, I need your wisdom here. Father, I need your guidance in this. Matter of fact, I believe when you and I pray in the name of Jesus, I really believe this. The Father sees it like this. It's as though Jesus himself is speaking for us. When you and I are using the name of Jesus, that's why he said, you will ask me nothing uh, from this moment, but whatever you ask my, in my name, the Father will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive. Here's, boy, what a great promise. That God said, when you talk to me, when you come before him as a father, he said, you're going to receive. That's a great, oh, come on, guys. Don't get religious on me, and I know you're tired, but I'm trying to help us to realize that God wants to answer our prayer, and for the days coming, you and I need to run to Dad. I know it's deeper than just an earthly father, so don't misunderstand that. Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 8, because of the work of Christ, we have, been, we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, I can come to him as my heavenly father, expecting him to answer and to hear my prayer. Chapter 11, again, in verse 13 says, If you then being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more does the Father want to answer our prayer? How much more does, the, if we that are evil, I want to tell you my kids, and they know this, I guess I spoil them. All of them. I try my best to. You know, we were gone last week. Y'all know that. We went. So the Sunday we were leaving, J.C. shows up to church. Papa, I got a bag packed in the car. I mean, she packed the bag. Everything she needed. She didn't know she was going. But she was expecting, and she knows Papa... She knows Papa. Me and I looked at each other. Okay. She came along. She enjoyed the week just like we did. Sam has already approached me tonight. Papa, where are we eating at tonight? Because when they're in school, they got to go home. But since school's out, they're going to come. They want to come eat with Papa. I said, Mom, Dad says it's okay. They're okay. He's already got it planned out. I don't have a problem. I, I want you to see the picture. If you that are evil know how to give good things to those that ask, 
We've got to build a relationship now as a father, not as religious, because here's what religious people do. I'm not worthy enough to receive. I blew it through the day. I honked at the guy that stood in front of me. I was aggressive coming to church. I was. Diane said, what are you in such a hurry for? I went and picked her up. Stupid cars. <laughs> See, if I'm religious, man, I blew it. I don't ever honk the horn, but I sure was talking to him inside. But see, religion says you're not good enough. If that's how you're going to approach God from a religious manner, you will never be good enough to receive from the Lord. Amen. Or if you look at him as a magic lamp, you know, let's rub it. And out comes the genie. And now he said, my wish is your command. So he gives you three wishes. And then when he doesn't answer, you're messed up. You stupid lamp. You quit. You'll get discouraged. You'll walk away. But there's an interesting thing about children. I remember as a kid going to the store. Hey, Dad, can I have a candy bar? Nope. Now, y'all were probably better kids than me because I asked why. Well, why? I love this answer because I said so. Diane was talking the other day. We had her uh, went uh, Memorial Day weekend, had her dad, who's 90 years of age now, and mom's up there, and they wanted to go around to the cemeteries to see all the, you know, or visit all the, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So we're driving around, and of course that stirred a lot of memories. And Diane brought up about when they were all kids packed up in, in that old Oldsmobile that they had that after church they would say, Hey, Dad, will you take us to the Dairy Queen? Can we go by the Dairy Queen? Dad said, Yeah. So he just drove right by it. <laughs> Did y'all ever do that to your kids? Come on, get on us. All right there. <laughs> Shame on you. No. You know what? I didn't understand no. I didn't understand when I didn't get it. I didn't understand. But you know what? It just didn't take but a little while longer, and I'd come back and ask again. I didn't quit being a son. I didn't say, I'm going to go home, pack my bags. I'm leaving because you didn't answer my prayer. No, I, some reason I didn't have to understand. When you're a child in that place and you're coming, you don't have to understand. You just have to know that he has the ability to take care of everything that you have need of. And he's always got your best in mind. Always. But you got to turn this thing into a relationship as a father. Hey, Dad, Father, I need your help. I'm coming. In the name of Jesus. Here's the third thing. I got to get this jet because I want to pray just for, if it's just five minutes, I want us to pray. Here's the third point. Powerful prayer is the, is the key to seeing God's will done in our lives and in the earth. So Jesus said, pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. If we know that he's our father and that he's got our best interest, don't you know that heaven holds everything that you have need of? That I believe, I tell God, God, wait a minute. It's not your will for us to be sick. It's not your will for us to be broke. It's not for your will for me to live on get by street. It's not your will for me to be messed up. It's not your will for me to be addicted. It's not your will. I talk to him because I see it in the word. So when I pray, God, your kingdom, your will be done upon the earth, I'm declaring those very things in my life and in my family and in my city and my church, in your lives when I pray that. We're praying, God, your will. Notice he said, notice he said, when you pray, pray my will, not your will. Sometimes I've got a will. told you we had a battle. Remember the three battlegrounds that I shared? You're in a battle, every one of us. We're in it constantly. We're in that battle for our soul. We're in that battle of faith. And I believe one of the biggest ones is the battle of our will. I remember one time I wanted a new car. I went over there, drove this new Chrysler van. Man, it was nice. Crawled up in it, got ready. God said, hey, God, what about this? I mean, I heard just as clear as I'm, no. Uh, shoot. I left the place, went back. I told Diana, man, that's a nice van. I go back there with the audacity to talk to the guy about, hey, God. I even come back to the church and pray to a, hey, God, I'd like to have that van. And I'm serious. It was just as close. No. And then I went back. I had the audacity. Can we do a test drive? Boy, it's a good thing I didn't. I even remember going and getting a suit. Y'all know I like to wear a suit. I went to Garber's one day. I got this suit. Man, it was a nice suit. Man, I look good in it. Tie, shirt, socks. I look good in it. And I met the cashier and just something in me said, you don't need this. I thought, wait a minute. You don't need this. I bought it anyway. I don't think I wore it just a few times and I finally, I, I felt so uncomfortable in that suit, I finally gave it away. But sometimes we pray, it's our will, we're involved, but we need to say, God, if I don't even know what, Lord, I don't even know how to pray, but I'm going to pray your will and your kingdom be done in the earth. Okay, y'all good? Last thing, last thing right here. Here's, here's the lesson for tonight. I can't finish this all. We got, a, we got a few more weeks. Powerful prayer. Not only is concerned about myself, I'm not saying this right, but it's concern is for others, not just ourselves. Powerful prayer is concerned about others, not just ourselves. Notice what Jesus said when he prayed. He said, give us. Wait a minute, who's the us? Give us this day. Remember the commandment that Jesus, they asked Jesus uh, 
Master, what's the great commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, strength, and all that. And the second one is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So when I'm really praying, and I'm really praying, I need to be praying over everybody right now. Because most of our prayer, when we do pray, it's about us. Oh, God, I got a need here. Oh, God, help me. And we're not praying about it, about anybody else but us. Sometimes we're not even praying about, God, I need you to bless me today. I remember years ago, I've told this story before. I had a man in my church in Paducah. His son was an alcoholic. And I mean a bad alcoholic. And this kid was given, well, he's a young man. He's given his dad a fit. And his dad is spent no telling how many thousands of dollars bailing him out of jail and paying bills and doing everything else. He probably was to some point an enabler, but nonetheless, he was a father trying to do what he thought was right in his own mind towards his kid. And I remember him coming to my office one day and he said, I'm done. I can't do this no more. And I thought, man, I'm a young pastor. How am I going to answer this guy? And I believe Holy Spirit gave me an answer. I said, Ronnie, it's okay. I said, it's okay, man. I said, I got a plan for you. Why don't you start praying for another family that's got a kid just where yours is? And I believe if you'll start praying for other families that's got children doing exactly what yours is, God will send somebody to your kid. They'll come through your back door to get to your kid. And sometimes I believe that's a key for us when you're in need and you're not seen is that you don't just pray about yourself, but we're praying for everybody. We're praying for the church. I want to see everybody in this church blessed as much as I am. If I'm going to live in a new home, I want everybody in this church in a new home. If I'm going to drive a new car, I want everybody in this church to have a new car. If I want a great blessing as what we call blessing, then I want everybody in the church to be blessed. Not only in this house, but every. I pray that over every church, every ministry, every day. I'm crying out, God bless the churches of our city. Sometimes I'll go drive on their property and just pray over them. God, we got a need. I'm asking you to take care of their needs. May they be debt free. May they have everything they have need of to fulfill the will of God. He said, let us. He said, pray. He said, let us. Give us this day our daily bread. You got to ask. When we come before him, not only, but we got to ask. Jesus said, you have not, or the scripture says in the book of James, I believe it is, and I believe it's the fourth chapter. I didn't quite write that one down. But I believe he says something like this. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss because you're asking upon your own lust. We're asking upon our own lust. It's all about me and not about him and not about others. But I believe powerful praying is the key for the hour that we're in. I'm going to close with, the, with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. How many know who he is? He's a preacher from the 1800s. Started preaching when he was 19 years old. At the age of 25, remember this is in the 1800s, late 1800s I think. At the age of 25, he's pastoring a mega church. 6,000 people. Back then. And he wrote this quote, or he wrote this statement. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged 
by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a grace a meter. And from it we may, we may, uh, I didn't write it down right. From it we may see the amount of divine working among a people. And to see if God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness of prayer. See, he didn't say anything. He didn't have all the niceties that we have today. He didn't have all the key things that we rely upon. Man, if we just get the sound right, if we get the music right, if we get the atmosphere right, if we just have this person on staff, if we have that, he gauged everything to one thing, a people that sought the Lord, that just prayed. A simple thing, just prayed and said, God, we have need of you. When the church prays well, the church goes well. I want to say that over a nation. When the church prays well, the nation goes well. And I find it very easy for us to clamor and murmur far more than pray something through. Hello. Even in this house, we complain a lot, but how much are we praying about it? Really praying about it. Y'all really got quiet there. He said, I believe if a church does not pray, it's dead. And lastly, I'm done. He said, it's not such a matter of time, but it's a matter of heart. The other day, I got to give you a testimony. A few years ago, y'all remember... I injured my neck. I think it was back in 2016. Because I, I, I remember it was an election cycle and I think Mr. Trump was coming to town and I couldn't go because I couldn't move. And I, I think I'd even had a reserved place to be in that meeting, but I couldn't move. I couldn't go. I had four pretty good uh, severed, or, or what you call it, a herniated disc in my neck, four of them. And I remember a few Saturdays after that in our Saturday morning prayer meeting, just sitting in a circle in here, my neck popped and I didn't have any more pain after that. But I never went back to have it x-rayed. And so I've had this little issue come up with my hand that I've been getting checked out. And so the other day, as I was seeing the neurologist a few weeks ago, she says, I want to do a x-ray of your neck and we're going to do an x-ray of your hand an MRI so today I go to the neurologist she never said one word about any herniated disc in my neck she said there's nothing there so that was a signal to me God showed me if nothing else I, I knew for a fact that my neck was okay now, I'm still going to deal with this, but my, my neck it, it is okay. So I told my chiropractor that I see, that I've been seeing for a couple of years now. Some of you guys go to him, Dr. Jared Whalen. So the other day we were chatting. He said, well, he read it, looked at it, he said, 
you know, there's a little bit of arthritis there. And Chrisette just, he said, that stuff, some of it comes with age and such as that. He, he said, let's set another time for you to come in. And he leaned down in my ear and he said, I, I, he said, do you exercise? I don't know why he whispered. <laughs> but he said, do you exercise? I said, well, no, <laughs> not really. So he said this, I want you to start. He said, I don't want you to go to weights. I don't want to do that right now because you haven't been. He said, I just want you to start walking a little bit. And he said, why don't you start about 10 minutes a day. Just take you a little walk for 10 minutes. And then he gave me a couple of other little exercises to do. Had the young lady there at the desk show me how to stick my neck out like a turtle and all that. <laughs> so I don't want you to do this a couple of minutes a day. My point being with that, I'm going to teach us, we're going to be talking about the importance of prayer. And if you're not there, I don't want you to come under any condemnation. Because I know I got people here pray for hours. And some don't pray at all. But if you'll start, if you'll take five minutes or ten minutes a day, maybe before your day starts, and just get alone with God. And just say, God, I'm going to talk to you a few minutes. And just start praying. If you don't do anything but take this prayer from the book of Luke and also found in the book of Matthew and say, Father, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Take it and just start it. I know God has been speaking to us when we were in Gateway just a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the things that they taught us and one of the things about discipleship is uh, you guys need to get still and just talk to God. And they stopped us for two minutes. Matter of fact, they've done it several times through the course of the, of, the, of the meeting. Just take two minutes. Man, that two minutes felt like an eternity to me because it's hard to be still. But I realized, God, you're saying something. You're talking to us about the hour that we need to be still and maybe just take a couple moments out of our hectic day, maybe a lunch break, maybe before, maybe later after the kids are down, and just say, God, I want to get along with you. I need to talk to you a bit. What if what happened if we as a church would really, really do that together? I mean, stop talking about what we don't like in the world, what we don't like about church, what we don't like about our community, what we don't like about our neighbor, what we don't like here and there, and just say, God, we need you to move. I wonder what would happen if a church really began to do that really began to bombard heaven and say, God, we need you like we've never needed you before. If what I told you earlier was true, it's like the person that gets cancer. When they put that C word on you, you'll do things you haven't done now. You'll realize you've got time to do some things different. You'll change habits, diets, everything under the sun. Because you want to live, and you want to live well, and God wants that for us as well. Come on and stand with me tonight.
our intention is over the next couple of weeks that we want to make these interactive. When I say interactive, we want to practice what we're praying. So before we walk out of this place, can we just take a few moments? We don't need any music. I, I just want you to just begin to call out to God. I just want you to begin to talk to Him for a few moments. Can, can you do that? If you want to do it, however you want to do it, just do it. Father, we love you. Father, I'm so thankful tonight, God, for this privilege, God, that we've got, God, that we've come together. I thank you, God, for speaking to us tonight. Oh, God, I thank you that I know that you're my God, you're my Savior, you're my healer, you're my protector, you're my provider. God, you're everything. I'm glad that you're the one I can depend on. I'm glad, God, that I can come to you. I know that you hear me. I know I'm one of your favorites, God. I'm so glad, Jesus, that I can come. I'm so glad, Father, that I know that you care about what belongs, what concerns me, Lord. Oh, God, I'm asking you tonight, Father, for all of us, that your will be done in our lives and in this place. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place, oh, God. Lord, I pray for every family. I pray for all of us, God, that we all find a new place of prayer, that we all find a new passion, a new desire. Lord, that we're not praying religiously. We're not praying, God, as a, that you're a magic wand or genie, but you're our Father that, can, God, what concerns us concerns you. God, I've watched you too many times. You've blessed us too many times, Father. Lord, I believe you. I believe a fresh anointing upon every person. God, in this room and those that are watching, upon every believer, Father, upon every church and every community around us, God, I'm believing you, God, that you're going to do the great. We're going to see the greatest things we've ever seen in this hour. And that, Lord, we will not fear. Though the mountains be removed and cast into the sea, we will not shake, but we will be steadfast and confident in you, our God. Oh, God, I thank you.